Hey there, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. As always, I'm so grateful that you've tuned in to listen today. In this episode, we're going to talk about where our self-worth comes from. Several years ago, there was a fellow in one of my Bible study classes at the federal prison, I'll call him Dan, that wasn't his real name, who had been brought up by a relative because of issues with his parents. Now, I don't know what all those issues were, but he never felt loved or understood by them. And he had a pretty negative view of himself, not just as a kid, but as an adult as well. Eventually, this got him into trouble, and he committed a crime. Now, I never asked what his crime was. I was there simply to try and help him discover his relationship with God and his worth in God's eyes, not to mention his worth in his own eyes. But Dan carried around this heavy burden of guilt and shame, and it wasn't just because of his crime. He had a hard time loving himself, forgiving himself, and believing God could love and forgive him. This made him feel the guilt and shame all over again. But it really came down to him not feeling loved. This was the lens he looked at himself through, that he was unloved by people and by God. His conclusion was that he must not be worthy of love. And on the rare occasion when he felt a glimmer of love and self-worth, it was usually eclipsed by his previous negative views of himself. I wish I could say he discovered how much God loved him and fully embraced his self-worth, but unfortunately he was transferred to another location after just a few months. But there were some minor victories along the way. I know some seeds of God's love were planted in his heart, and all I can really do now is trust those seeds will take root and grow in God's timing. More recently, several weeks ago, in an online course I was taking on Zoom, I was really caught by surprise at how many people in the chat box were struggling to see their worth as a person as well as how valuable they could be in helping others. So I've been thinking a lot about self-worth lately. What is self-worth anyway? Where does it come from? Is it a good thing or is it just a puffed-up ego? Why do some people seem so confident about themselves and their abilities to get something done, and others have a more negative view of themselves and their abilities? Well, there are lots of opinions on how to answer these questions, but given the fact this is a podcast about what the Bible has to say, I was curious about what light the Bible could shed on this whole topic of self-worth. The first person who comes to mind is Gideon. When the angel of God appeared to him and told him God was with him and that he would deliver Israel from the Midianites, Gideon's response showed a very low sense of self-worth. This is in Judges 6.15. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. Have you ever felt that way, that you're just not very important because of where you came from or your background or your family connections? Gideon saw his worth based on his position in society, which tribe and clan he was a member of, and his standing in his own family. He saw himself as the least important person in his family, 
in the weakest clan of the smallest tribe of Israel, which was Manasseh. But Gideon's negative and limited view of himself did not stop God from choosing him for the task at hand. God saw the qualities in Gideon's heart. That's what made him worthy of such a monumental undertaking. But Gideon was still very unsure of his abilities, so he asked God for a sign. This is Judges 6, 36, and 37. If you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel, as you promised, prove it to me this way. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you're going to help me rescue Israel, as you promised. Have you ever asked God for a sign and he gave you one? How did you respond? Did it give you the confidence you needed or the answer you were looking for? You would think that Gideon would accept this sign from God and be ready to do what God wanted him to, but there was still uncertainty. He wasn't 100% sure he was the one for the job or that he could do it. So he asked God for a second sign. This is Judges 6, 39 and 40. Then Gideon said to God, Please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. So that night God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. One of the most fascinating aspects of this story is that Gideon and God are constantly having a conversation. At one point, God tells him he has too many soldiers. This is in Judges 7, 2. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Now, if you look at this in the light of self-worth, God doesn't want Gideon and the Israelites to think of their collective self-worth based on how many troops are in the army. Self-worth doesn't come from man's power. It comes from God's power. So God tells Gideon to pare down the troops. He starts with 32,000 and ends up with only 300. Now, the Israelites cannot rely on themselves to defeat the Midianites. They are hopelessly outnumbered. They'll have to rely completely on God. Just as Gideon had to learn that his self-worth was not dependent on being from the most prominent family or the largest tribe, so the children of Israel had to learn their collective self-worth was dependent not on how many able-bodied soldiers were in the army, but on their obedience to God. How can you and I benefit from that lesson about true self-worth? Your worth, your self-worth, your value as a child of God doesn't come from anything you do, say, or achieve. It's not based on how much money you make, how successful you are in business with your family or at church. It doesn't depend on where you're from or where you went to school. It's not about your physical appearance or how famous you are or how many followers you have on social media. That's the way the world evaluates your worth. And all too often we go along with that approach. 
We look at the external things in our lives and think these are the measure and proof of our self-worth. Because we have certain things and have accomplished certain things, we have a higher sense of self-worth. And if we don't accomplish or have these externals, our self-worth is often very low. Now, you may be wondering if this concept of self-worth is really in the Bible, or is it just something I am imposing on the Bible from the 21st century? That's actually a good question, and it may be a little of both, but there are definite stories in the Bible which show how someone saw or didn't see their own value, as I just mentioned with Gideon. And I think it's important to distinguish between a genuine sense of self-worth appreciating the God-given talents and abilities you have, and a sense of self-importance or pride that is based on all those external things I just mentioned. As long as you base your sense of self-worth on what you have, what you do, where you're from, etc., your self-worth is really fragile. Any or all of those externals can change in a heartbeat. I had a friend years ago who never recovered his self-worth after he was fired from his job. He couldn't find his true value just as a person unrelated to his position in a company he had worked for. All the self-assurance and confidence he expressed when he was in a position of authority was not actually true self-worth. It evaporated when his situation changed. True self-worth comes from understanding who you are as a child of God. It's really that simple. Then, whatever the circumstances, you can value who you are. Sometimes the way we value ourselves is influenced by what happened in our past, either by us or to us. I did an episode a few months ago called, Your Past Does Not Define You. It's episode 135, and I'll have that link in the show notes. The point I want to make is, your past is just another one of those externals that don't determine your worth, either good or bad, either high or low. The more I think about it, the more I've realized that our sense of self-worth comes from how we see ourselves, how we identify ourselves. How do you see yourself? How do you identify yourself first and foremost? Is it all those external things I mentioned earlier? your education, your job, how much money you have, and all that stuff? Or do you see yourself the way Jesus did? Jesus says in Matthew five thirteen and 14, and he was talking to people in the crowd, but he's really saying it to you and me today as well. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Paul emphasizes this point when he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 5, For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. Do you see yourself as the light of the world, the salt of the earth? In Bible times, salt was a very valuable commodity because it was used to preserve food. And there's no way to calculate the value of light. It's priceless. The very first chapter in the Bible declares the truth about who we are and how we're made. It's so familiar. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and then verse 31. 
Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. God looked at you, and he said, You are very good. This theme is found throughout the Bible. David says in Psalm 139, verse 14, I will praise you, referring to God, because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous. I know this very well. Why then do we sometimes have such a negative view of ourselves, such a low sense of self-worth? I'm going to cut right to the chase here. It's because we have believed lies about ourselves. And where do these lies come from? It may seem like other people, circumstances, and our past tell us we are someone besides the image and likeness of God. Sometimes we believe those lies and even start repeating them ourselves. But they are still lies, even if you believe them. So I'll ask again, where do these lies come from? They originate where all lies originate. Jesus describes it this way in John 8:44. He's referring to the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. So when you hear yourself say or think, I'm no good, I'm not worthy, I'm not enough, I'm not loved, or any other negative thoughts like that, it's actually the father of lies speaking about his own nature, but trying to get you to believe it about yourself. Sometimes right after you've had a burst of spiritual insight and inspiration of who you are as the image and likeness of God, the father of lies will try to make you doubt it. This is exactly what happened to Jesus. Immediately after he was baptized by John the Baptist, a voice from heaven said, this is Matthew 3.17, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. But what happened next? The devil tried to sow the seeds of doubt as to who Jesus was. In Matthew 4, verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. The devil, the tempter, the father of lies, took the message from heaven that Jesus was the Son of God and added that little word if, if you are the Son of God as if to suggest that Jesus might not be the Son of God if he didn't turn those stones into bread. Of course, Jesus didn't fall for that lie. He knew it wasn't his thinking. When you hear or think the words, if I really was God's image and likeness, I wouldn't, and fill in the blank with just about anything, you can be pretty sure that is not your thought, but a lie from the father of lies trying to make you doubt who you are, and your worth as a child of God. So let's come back to how we identify ourselves. Paul says we need to quit identifying with the material way of seeing ourselves and identify with who we are as God's image. 
This is in Ephesians 4, 22-24. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Paul makes it sound so easy, doesn't he? What makes it hard is when, instead of putting off the old material sinful nature, we try to improve, correct, and reform this old way of seeing ourselves, the old man, as the King James translates it. Your goal is not to be a little less of a sinner. Your goal is not to be a little bit better mortal. Your goal is to get rid of the concept that man is depraved, separated from God, and does not know Christ. To do this, Paul says we need to let the Spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes. Then we can put on the new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. The reason we often have a sense of negative self-worth is because we identify with and we identify as the old man, the old self, a material sinful concept of man separated from God. Then we try to improve that concept of man and think that will make us a better person. Quit trying to be a better version of this material concept of man. We need to adopt and identify with how God created us in the divine image and likeness. You get more of what you focus on. You see more out of the window you look out of. Focus more on Christ. Look more out of the window of Christ. Look at yourself in the light of how Jesus would see you as the light of the world, the salt of the earth. That's who you are already. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Where? Within you. In heaven, there is no record of negative thoughts you or anyone else ever had about yourself. God says in Isaiah 65, 17, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. All the negative thoughts you've ever had about yourself will never enter heaven, and you will not even remember them. Jesus promises the kingdom of heaven is at hand and within us. That means you can experience freedom from these negative views of yourself right now. So when the father of lies whispers in your ear, I am not worthy, I'm not good enough, or any similar nonsense, Your job is simply to bear witness to what is true right now in heaven. Here's just one idea of how to defeat this lie that you're not worthy or good enough. Thank you, God, for reminding me that I am made in your image and likeness. That makes me worthy in your eyes. When you created me, you saw that I am very good. And I know this is true. If you have to do this 500 times a day, oh well. Just do it. But it's not just a thing to say. It's not a formula. We need to imbibe the spirit of this. And this is just one example of how to replace the lie with the truth. 
and it's God who empowers you to do it. You're not doing it on your own power. Even Jesus said, John 5.30, I can do nothing on my own. Now, this is not Jesus saying he feels unworthy. He's not saying, I can do nothing. It's him acknowledging that he can't do anything without God. Sometimes we start that sentence and say, I can't do anything, but we don't add the words on my own, which imply that with God's help we can do it. Jesus knew his oneness with the Father. What makes us conscious of our worth is our oneness with the Father. This oneness, our relationship with God, is unimpeachable and can never be diminished or deflected or destroyed. The old man, the old sinful nature Paul talks about in Ephesians 4.22 is kind of like counterfeit money. It's worthless. When you identify with it, you will feel worthless. How would you feel if someone gave you a counterfeit $100 bill or the equivalent in whatever country you live? The minute you know it's counterfeit, you know it's worth nothing. Do you take that counterfeit bill and try to improve it so it turns into a real $100 bill? No. There's nothing you can do to a counterfeit to make it real. Then why do we spend so much time trying to make a counterfeit of God's child into a true child of God? You are, right now, the child of God, made in God's image and likeness, of infinite value and worth. All the lies that the Father of lies has told about you, whether you believe them for a minute or for 50 years, are still lies. There is no record of them in heaven, the heaven which is at hand and within you. You have the ability within yourself to rise above and beyond those lies about you. Your true spiritual identity as God's pure image and likeness is unblemished. God sees you and says, This is my dearly loved child who is very good. I'll close with this verse from Ephesians 2.10. We are God's masterpiece. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in today and listening. I really appreciate you being here. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend and have a conversation about some of the ideas that you found helpful. If you're new to the Bible Speaks to You podcast, a special welcome to you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm glad you found me, and I hope you'll subscribe. Just go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the subscribe tab in the menu bar. Just fill out the form, and you're all set. And as a special thank you for signing up, I'm going to send you a prayer guide called Praying with the Mindset of Jesus. As always, all the Bible references in this week's episode will be in the show notes on the website page. Just go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 153. This is episode 153. And if you have any comments or questions about today's episode or anything in the Bible, I would love to hear from you. Just go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the contact tab. Fill out the form, and I'll be in touch. 
I can't wait to hear from you. Again, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much for all you've done to help make this podcast a success. That's it for this week. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care, and we'll see you next time. God bless.